When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Score, the podcast. The only show taking you inside the studios of the world's most celebrated composers and musicians. From Santa Monica this week, this is Score, the podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Holmes, with my co-host, Robert Kraft. Hello. And uh, we're joined every week by our executive producer, Matt Schrader. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. Uh, We're excited about this week's guest. He has a big movie coming out next month. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. July 6th. July, July 6th, yeah. Uh, he's an Emmy Award-winning composer of some of the biggest shows and movies of the last two decades, including uh, a classic, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know a lot of people uh, watch that. I remember the film. Yeah, people still watch that. And uh, yeah, the show. And then also Angel, which was the spinoff. Uh, the Muppets. He did Pitch Perfect, Frozen, Trolls, a ton of good uh, animated classics. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. The Hangover, uh, classic. Edge of Tomorrow is so great. I have a question about Edge of Tomorrow we'll ask. Yeah, really cool soundtrack. Um, the score is fantastic. You're missing some of Chris's biggest hits, which he and I did together. How about Employee of the Month? Oh, yes. Is that a Dane Cook classic? Uh, it might have been. You're right. <laughs> oh, our, our studio audience loves Cheaper loves that by movie. the Dozen Chris and I worked on, which is great. And then, as we mentioned, he did, he did Ant-Man a few years ago, yeah. and uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out. July 6th, and also an upcoming comedy, Holmes and Watson, starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, the Step Brothers. Oh, so nice. that ought to be uh, hilarious, I'm sure. I mean, those guys. It together, better be. It better be, yeah. yeah. Uh, also on today's show, an all new episode of Behind the Score, and we're uh, featuring two of the orchestra for Hollywood, two of the greatest, uh, Dave Ewart and Steve Erdody. This is one of the really interesting things that we encountered making the movie was all these studio musicians, their job is to go play, to go in, not know what they're going to play, get handed a sight reading, you know, yeah. a packet of, uh, of sheet music, and uh, sit down real quickly. As soon as the clock strikes 10, they're recording that stuff, and they're so good at this that uh, it just it just is astonishing. So we got a couple of them. Uh, Steve Erdody, of course, is is and has played on, you know, I think he says twelve thousand films or twelve hundred films. I guess it wouldn't be thousand. Twelve million. I and, think. and how cool is it to say that? Oh, I've only played music for the greatest movies, all of them. To say like, oh yeah, I was part of the orchestra of every movie that has a notable score is just incredible. It's the great. L.A. Local 47, which is the union here, it is the greatest film music making body of musicians probably on the planet. I mean, England is great. New York is really good. The L.A. filmmaking orchestra is just brilliant. And just what a cool job. Yeah. You know? And it's a very, very sacred chair to get in, which is one of those chairs. It's not like, oh, we have different musicians every week. You see the same players because they're reliable. They show up. That's their job. I guess the only downfall is you see the end of every movie like in an unclimactic way before it comes out. Although you record in pieces, right? So maybe you don't record in pieces. You're also almost all the time you're facing the conductor and the screens behind you. So you don't know. Though some 
composers like to show scenes. They ask the orchestra to either turn around or they put a monitor oh, up in the room so they can show a scene and say, this is the emotion that I want you to get for this well that, that's coming up in behind the score plus we're going to play the game that's sweeping the nation and social media behind that <laughs> behind that score name that score name that score and uh matt what's the topic this week with uh, chris beck alien movies these are all movies uh about uh alien invasions uh going to mars uh Ooh. different different uh alien oriented movies um that uh, all have pretty dramatic scores even some of the comedies and we have an autographed frozen soundtrack if somebody runs the table speaking yeah. of frozen i'm freezing in here it's a cold it's, studio that's <laughs> it's a, so we wanted to touch on the nominations are coming up, or are they open now for the Emmys? Yeah, uh, at, yes, they are. And people are voting, yep. People are voting on these, and uh, uh, so there's always a handful of, of, uh, of TV shows and scores, especially. Those are the two that we're kinda, we've been looking at uh, that get nominated for these. It would be too much for us to give five nominees for each one so it's hard enough to I, pick I know two. you guys have been uh, have been jotting down looking into a couple of these things and i figured what we'll do is jump into a couple and uh and give our two locks for uh for both a, a series which can be a drama or a comedy feel free to pick either or um uh and then also our score so sh- show and score are the two that we're going to pick we're going to give you our locks and we will bet you that we're going to get them right because we're the we're the experts. And and if I'm we if we lose, the money comes from Matt. I guess <laughs> if you're betting on my behalf. If we lose, then we'll have to give away a soundtrack or something. Well, there's well obviously with the shows, there's there's two different categories. There's the the drama and then the comedy. Right, uh, and they're but, both but then they're the different sc- categories. The um, scores are combined. There, there isn't two categories for that. Right. So Scores are all, score, yep. all one thing. So um, I, I figure we'll go through this first. I, I know do you, you guys both have your uh, your locks for this stuff, right? Robert, do you, uh, for uh, shows, give me uh, give me your, your two shows you think are a lock for this What are you researching Emmys over there, Robert? A composer's name. I thought I would just make sure that... I'm always correct about something I'm guessing at. So um, the, the locks for shows, and this might be personal preference, but my number one lock for show would be Handmaid's Tale. Oh uh, yeah, for, last year's for drama. Last year's drama. Winner. I think we're going again. I think this season is as interesting and also unique in that they had to create an entirely new story. The first season's based on the Margaret Atwood book. This yep. is the TV writers came up with a new story. It is. So mind-bendingly great! I just I literally one of can't wait. Really I can't wait till Wednesday too. night. I haven't had that in a long time to see what happens next, and I'm kind of already sad that it has to end at some point. <laughs> I just love the show that. Well, much. don't worry. We'll have we'll have at least so, a season three, and probably four, drama. five, six, seven. And I think for comedy, I'm going to actually break a lot of rules here and go Atlanta. Oh yeah, that's that was my my lock for comedy. That was a was, lock for sure. Well, a- because last year, the only re- the, like uh, Atlanta won for director, actor, uh, but Veep stole the show right. for for the 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 show uh, the category. perennial winner. Yep, but Veep is not uh, eligible this year. So, uh, Kenny, what do you got for shows? A- Atlanta's one of your picks. Atlanta, and then uh, Game of Thrones. I'm of gonna course. really really just go out on a limb here. <laughs> I think that Game of Thrones has won what, like five of the last seven years or something that like that. That they were eligible, yeah. That they've been eligible, right? 
which of course it has to the Emmys you got to fit into a certain qualification. Yeah, it's a window. weird window. It's not the nor- it's like a fiscal year. It's not the actual year. Right, right. So right. it's always it's always odd. I remember was it the the OJ show on FX? I think I think it I think yeah. it won the Emmy like two years after it aired because of it was like right at the end of one window. So it seemed odd that it was in the award season. Now. I once got yelled at um, at Fox by OJ because the <laughs> not by OJ <laughs> um, because the Grammy window is substantially different from the Oscar window yeah and i was told you know why do you music guys have to make this so difficult i thought you know it is actually all my <laughs> fault um and i decide these things the, just for those of you that are interested the window for the academy awards is a movie has to be in a theater theatrically by the final night of that year in other words it can play from December 31st correct it can play from Christmas Day to December 31st that's a week and if it shows theatrically in that week then you can be eligible uh, the Grammys the it's like record, September or something it's some some weird September 30th Ah, okay. it has to be released and in the marketplace and of course now there are so many questions what if it's a Netflix film? Does that make it not eligible? Yeah, can you do one or the other? And if a single streams on the night of September 29th, is it now in release? So life is complicated, and I don't know the Emmy window. Do you? Uh, n- Well, it's different for... No, I don't know the answer. Okay, we're going to get back to you on that. We'd like all of you to stay glued to this podcast. <laughs> it's like July. All right, or here's my. Right? Two it's picks. like July. I, That's what you write out in in the Matt, rules when you choices? look under windows. <laughs> Let's move on. Anyway, where where are we going to? It's so like July. My two. It's like July. It's like July. Uh, Game of Thrones was what my pick, but since Kenny said that, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. Westworld, I think, is uh, is my one of my locks, and then I'm surprised neither of you guys said this. The Crown. The well, crown we, is we could huge. only pick two, Matt. <laughs> I, <laughs> How dare you guys? I said Gosh. pick two, and you didn't even mention the crown. So the crown, I feel like, is an absolute lock for, uh, Robert, for one of these. what are your score locks? My score locks, which is like a warlock, only different, <laughs> is... Uh, um, You're a wordsmith. I am a wordsmith. Um, first of all, I love... Not surprisingly, the score to Handmaid's Tale by somebody I don't know, Adam Taylor. If, you, if, yeah. you're, if you're out there, Adam, you know, raise your hand and say, I did that. The theme of Handmaid's Tale stays with me. There's something really mournful about it, of course, because the yeah. show is sad. So I just think it's an amazing thing. I also am a huge fan of Sean Callery's music for Homeland. Oh, hel- yeah. yeah. Homeland's I think great. he is, I think the theme is beyond inventive kind of jazzy but with these weird samples and voices but the music is just brilliant i so uh, you know those handmaid's tale and uh homeland homeland yep i'm gonna go with uh matt i can't believe you didn't say the crown (laughs) uh i'm gonna go with lauren balf score for the crown as my one of my locks for score and then my other one which i'm not which is a great score yeah so i i and i i really personally like the way that the the music plays loud in that and it works so well for the era too yeah sorry um my other one and we actually had this conversation this morning about if i don't know if it qualifies but um westworld by ramin javadi super 
the music is so great, but I, I wonder, and we looked it up, and I'm still not 100% clear on if we're right on this, but it may not qualify because a lot of the songs are orchestrated, but they're not original songs. It's so subtle, and uh, the Academy has a number of rules about what makes something original. Um and uh, so um, the Emmys clearly because we're yeah you catching looked it up, up. The Emmys. you looked it up yeah it has to be wholly original can't come even you can't have a a, a melody or something else from some pre existing so material I wonder if they can eliminate that from the the well, entry if there's enough music oh right. fifty one so maybe it does qualify it wasn't nominated last year um, but they did get a nomination for the show title theme so. right do you think that Legions score by Jeff Russo will end up being considered. Stepping this year. on my toes a little bit here. Oh, Robert. this is uh, man, this I'm is get, one of my. Picks. I'm getting ahead of you. I didn't realize. So we that talked was a to pick. Jeff Russo last year. It, 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 so much last of, year. Uh, sorry, time, time's time, moving fast. Time does go fast. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, last year is in a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you know he's done a couple seasons of Legion, but um, but some of the things he's done have been really inventive. Oh you know, yeah. This dance battle scene, and that's something you can't do. In in most TV shows, is score something that's so weird of a story kind of element as that, and it's something that he's done really, really well. And the music's phenomenal, so that's one of my locks. The other one uh, that I wanted to mention is Mr. Robot, Matt Quayle. Oh yeah, oh, that's um, so cool. Now, personally, I think the show isn't quite as good as it was a couple years ago, but the score for that is really, really powerful, and I think it 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 does the thing that I really like in a lot of shows, which is. Uh, it it plays loud and you feel the emotion. I wonder how they got Freddie Mercury into that show because he's playing, I think, the lead character, which is really amazing. That's tough. I can tell you something about the Emmy calendar just for all our listeners who have been wondering since we teased it. Uh-huh. June 1st June to May 31st. So that means mm. a show has to be on the air between those dates to be that calendar year of a TV season and be considered. So, which is why it's always so odd because it's like it, the the calendar starts in the summer, so you're not really paying as much attention to TV, and then stuff really starts rolling out. I mean, traditionally, the TV season starts after Labor Day and yeah. mid September. You start rolling out the new fall. shows. So, if you release a show during the summer months, you might not even. Yeah. know it or consider two it. words for you jordan bieber that's exactly right i just realized i didn't get a chance to to unveil my new uh drop Uh-oh. pause hit subscribe <laughs> maybe rate and review maybe rate and review a uh, good know. reminder to you the listeners to uh pause hit subscribe maybe rate and review pause hit subscribe <laughs> maybe rate and review <laughs> hey <laughs> That is a fantastic drop. That's I a good drop. We can just... use that a lot. And and please do uh, please do uh, uh, tell a friend all that good stuff. Yeah. Th- uh, and by the way, people have been great in reviewing and hitting pause. Perhaps I don't know when they did it, but thank you for doing that. And and a reminder to continue to tell a friend. Uh, it really helps our show grow. Pretty fresh. Pretty fresh. Coming up after the break, we are bringing him in. He's an Emmy-winning composer, and he's scoring. The new Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out July 6th. He's Great composer. Christoph Beck, and he's joining us right after the break. Hey, Matt Schrader here. We're back to the show in 15 seconds, but a quick thank you to everyone who's been telling a friend about Score the Podcast. We're one of the fastest-growing entertainment podcasts out there right now, and that's thanks to you telling a friend. You're probably thinking of somebody else right now that enjoy the show. If it's safe to do so, hit pause and let them know about Score the Podcast. It helps keep this show going. Now back to the show. 
Welcome back to Chris Beck's studio. You know, it's funny you said you were the comedy guy. I actually had a very, I had the perfect seat, front row seat for you evolving because we started back with a number of pictures that I can't imagine. Just Married was the first. Just Married, exactly right. And then I can't imagine you came to Hollywood thinking my ambition in life is to (laughs) score Alvin and the Chipmunks. (laughs) Chipmunks, <laughs> which I didn't, by the way, shockingly, uh, uh, I or, didn't. <laughs> you know, but you did do. I remember when we did Cheaper by the Dozen. Yeah, and you know, I do a film music lecture uh, that I kind of take around some clips. I use a, a Cheaper by the Dozen cue. First, I play the cue, play the scene with no music, and it's the scene where stadium. No, it's a, oh. it's a scene where they are eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. You look alive, she says, look alive, and she's throwing eggs and yep, yep. pancakes and toast on every plate, <laughs> and then the frog escapes, mm-hmm. and the frog jumps around, and I show it without music, and people in the audience kind of laugh, because it's sort of funny, Steve Martin, and um, all the kids, Haley Duff. Hillary. Hillary Duff. Yeah. It's Hale, It's Jordan Bieber's yeah. sister's Haley Duff. It's girlfriend. Right. <laughs> so, um, two words for you. Jordan Bieber. Good, thanks. Um, <laughs> so, Hillary, which is the kind of combination, Hillary Duff, uh, and, and the frog escapes, and you did something in the queue that makes the audience roar with laughter. I don't know if you remember what you did. I what? don't. It's so great, and... So I saw the evolution of Christoph Beck in this moment. Fairly traditional comedic cue, and there's some tension while they're chasing the frog, and the frog escapes to the top of a lamp. Ooh, I'm thinking it's coming back to me now. And Steve Martin... A little Martin, Mexican standoff. Steve Martin is creeping up on it, and the music goes <laughs> straight up. Wild Kingdom meets total tension, and you hear the kind of, like a shakuhachi go... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and the whole audience laughs because it's really, oh my God, in the suburban kitchen, we're sneaking through the jungle to catch this frog. And it's really funny. The That's, music makes the audience laugh. That is a great example of um, uh, one of the most effective techniques you can use in film scoring, which is you ignore what you're seeing, you ignore the setting, and you just get all the way into the characters' minds, and then you exaggerate it. Oh, that's great, because that's exactly what happens. Steve Martin, literally, if you could do what's happening on screen, he would be in a pith helmet and a kind (laughs) of, you know, sneaking through the jungle to catch the The complete opposite music of what you'd Dangerous, you know, Black Panther is there in the jungle, and he's going to sneak up on it. What is it? He's, you know, has a hockey, he has a hockey uh, lacrosse stick trying to catch a frog and um but i wondered when you were doing those films this is something i guess we all wonder about various stages in our career so here you're doing these kind of films you said you were the comedy guy and you said you were aspiring to do a world war ii or an action Mm -hmm. movie did you always have faith that you would get there did you think you'd be pigeonholed um i think the natural uh, psychological uh, reaction to that situation is to have faith. I mean, if I didn't have faith, why would I bother, you know, in a way? Um, however, it's not the sort of thing that was top of mind all the time. Um, you know, I take, as you know, I take my job, we all do, we take our jobs very seriously. Yeah. And, in, you know, in the moment when I'm 
working on a scene with a frog in the kitchen you yeah. know it's all about that and it's how Good. can i how can i make the scene as funny as possible how can i make my clients as happy as possible um, and it's not, oh, my God, when am I going to get to do my World War II movie? Ooh, that's so good. That's um, really smart. Well, it's, 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 I don't want to say it's effortless for me, but it's my natural. Sure. Um, and it's, it's one, one of the things that makes me well-suited for the job is to just take the job really to heart. It's the secret of success for anything, though, is if you're, I mean, listen, if you're watching the NBA work fin- ethic, basically. You're watching the NBA yeah. finals, and if the guy is not looking yeah. at the ball being passed to him, he's looking away, he actually misses the pass. Yeah. So you have to be focused on the moment to make the basket. Yeah. Um, I do wonder, part of that is, was there any picture that you felt you had made some kind of leap? Was there a gig that came that you thought, ooh, I just stepped up? Um, I mean, there were some big movies that really made people aware of, and I must say this, with all due... And, and appropriate respect, I knew from the first pictures we did together how great you were. You well, were thank you very unbelievably much. capable of any kind of situation, solving it musically. And I thought, this guy's got a huge career ahead of him. And I wonder if there was one movie where you thought other people now see that or know it. It's a tricky question because um, every once in a while I will, especially if I take a break and I come back to film scoring or it's a genre that I haven't tried before or a style that I haven't tried before and I start working and it's never a conscious thing but um, the perfect example is Twelfth Man when I started working on some of the orchestral action cues there I, I without really thinking about it adopted a more uh, visceral and minimalist approach mm. than I would normally otherwise take with a movie like uh, Ant-Man for example which is a little bit more about orchestral fireworks and a little bit more of a traditional approach in the action sequences mm-hmm. um, and then I surprised myself I kind of take a step back and and go oh wow that's that's kind of a new sound for me and I'm kind of digging it and I'm just gonna <laughs> like let myself you know develop that further and and see how that goes it doesn't happen on every movie but the reason why it's a tricky question is because, and Twelfth Man is a perfect example of this, it came out in theaters a few weeks ago. It's no longer in theaters. Not many people saw it. It's a great movie, but it's a Norwegian. And it was, you know, you you could argue that it was hampered by maybe um, uh, marketing that wasn't as good or as pervasive as it could be. So um, it's... It's basically, you know, you and, and and me and these two guys, you know, know about it now and maybe a handful of others, but it's not, the, the you know, the second part of your question, which is like everyone can see that I've made this leap, you know, that's that's the part that hasn't and probably won't happen, but, that, but that's okay. That's the business. But I think you answered the question in another way, inadvertently, which is that you make the leap per picture. In other words, whether the picture is kind of this kind of movie or you're going to do here's Frozen or here's Edge of Tomorrow or here's a different kind of movie, this is actually a step in my career. What you said is that each new movie, in some way, um, you learn about your process and it's a leap forward. And that leads you maybe to the next picture. One of the next things that I I actually wanted to ask you, Edge of Tomorrow is a fantastic film. Like that's that's a fantastic film. And it's kind of a shame that it didn't it didn't. It wasn't the commercial success that I think it really should have been. It had big star and power. You thought it, it was, was going very to be, well right? done, and yeah. I thought it was. It didn't do as well. I it, guess it, it disappointed a little bit commercially, at least. Such a it's cool a, well, it's a favorite, and they marketed it. 
Well, in why do you think strange way that too. is? I mean, is it because of the marketing? Maybe the title? The ti- Yeah, when you change the title. And the, I think they yeah, the original changed. title is All You Need Is Kill. Yep. And I think they shot away from that word, kill. Huh. They changed that, and then they changed it again when it went to home video. And then now right. they've marketed Live, it die, as, repeat. Live, die, yeah, repeat. So yeah. it's been oh. all over the place. But I wanted to ask you, scoring a film like that, you know, I'm sure you get asked a lot when you're doing a film, look, sometimes you know this maybe isn't going to be the greatest film in the world. Sometimes you must have the opposite oh, feeling. I knew right away. I went to go watch this. I was a second composer on that project, but they had a very, very long post. So even though um, I was coming in after they had worked with another composer for some time, there was still six months to go or something. And I sat down to watch it, and I... I mean, like anyone else who watches watches that movie and loves it, I, you know, I loved it, and it was not that different, really, from what came out in theaters. Um, and it had so, a really cool sound too. Did, did we got a clip here? Oh, cool! Oh yeah, this one. It's suits heavy, metallic. There's that that relentless well, kind of. Did 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 this kind of thing just hit you as you were seeing the picture? Was, is there a gut instinct seeing something that seems like it's really well put together? Oh, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was six months of working with, um, in my opinion, one of the best directors in the business, Doug Lyman, but also yep. one of the most challenging directors in the business to work for as a composer. He's um, he, he, One of the reasons why I love working with him is because I know despite whatever misery I may feel on the way that he's going to kick my ass until something excellent comes out. (laughs) Um, And in that particular case, um, I have to give a shout out to Zach Robinson, excuse me, who was working with me at the time and who kind of started that whole idea, the 12, eight idea. And then uh, at a certain point um, passed it over to me and I finished it. But uh, a lot of what makes that cue great um, comes from him. Um, you might want to explain for one second to those sure. of, of our listeners that don't understand what 12-8 means and why oh, it's yeah. significant in metal. Well, normally, uh, <laughs> I don't know how metal 12-8 is. Um, I, I don't, <laughs> we that can make, make a like... short list of metal songs in 12-8, but right. um, it's, a, um, it's a description of a, a, a rhythmic feel that, that you can um, intuit from a piece. Typically, the most common type of feel is what we refer to as four four and that would be one and two and three and four and one and two so when we say 12 eight we're really taking those same four beats and dividing them instead of evenly by two to make eight subdivisions we are dividing them by three to make 12 so it ends up something like one and two and three and four and um in that particular piece, it's moving along Let's hear a lot a faster. Piece of it. You'll hear, and we can count it. Wait, wait, let me try to do it in the speed of the piece. Okay. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, oh, yeah. four. Or it's even more like. Yeah, yeah. Got our drummer over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cool set. And obviously, that's just a, a, a chunk of the score. The score's fantastic for the whole film. Thank you. And it's actually a pretty fun one to listen through in full also um, this movie also had big movie stars it's really the calculus of hollywood how yeah, do you apply all... it you have big movie stars you have a huge movie star you have a wonderful actress Tom playing Cruise, a Emily tough Blunt. tough yeah you know woman's role which you don't ordinarily see you have 
a great composer, which clearly is saving the movie. <laughs> you have a big-time director, a big, successful director. And a really cool and interesting and kind of mind-bending story. And is Absolutely. cursing allowed in this uh, yes, scenario? Of course. So <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, to say what you're saying, like a Hollywood calculus, in this particular case is, well, we kind of fucked this up. Let's get it right on the sequel. And so, of course, now they're making a sequel. And I would expect that a movie like this, which has become a, almost a cult hit, yeah, you right. Know, it has. On on streaming and DVD, when people watch DVDs, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of anticipation for the sequel. I think it's going to do. I huge wonder numbers. what. The no, no matter how good it is. Title. Are, you, yeah. are you back for number two? I hope to be. Fingers uh, crossed. Not quite yet. I think they're still working on the script. And yeah. Well, speaking of sequels, um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Chris about. We mentioned a little bit Ant Man, and we have Ant Man and the Wasp coming up next month. Hmm. And I want to ask you about this uh, this new really cool thing you're involved in the the uh, Beck Diversity Project you're yes. working on here. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get to all that in just a bit. But first, behind the score. Behind the score, the inside stories from Hollywood's greatest filmmakers and composers. Many film composers argue their craft is similar to that of a painter. It starts with an idea and a sketch before the paint palette comes out. That paint palette for many composers is the orchestra each instrument with its own vibrant color and feeling. And in Hollywood, those instruments are played by virtuosos, the best players in the world, people like cellist Steve Erdody. I've done actually well over 1,200 movies. I've lost count, so it's uh, it's been a nice, nice ride. Because most major motion pictures are top secret until the film is released, players even as trusted as Erdody usually play cold, recording while they're reading the sheet music for the first time. Most times, we don't get to see the music until we... We get to the sound stage, to the scoring stage. We end up uh, literally getting there a half hour early, 45 minutes early, and take a look at what we have to do that day. In fact, you can see him all over score a film music documentary on the scoring stages at both Warner Brothers and Fox. That's all we do. So we, uh, uh, you know, we go into a session. It's generally either three hours or six hours, and we can record in six hours. Sometimes we've done almost 90 minutes of music in a, in a six-hour session. I mean, there are, there are electric moments and then there are electric moments. Violinist Dave Ewart has played on many famous scores from Titanic to Jurassic Park. There are moments when you just feel like you've just tasted a little piece of immortality you know i mean it's it's silly to say but 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 we do feel that and on the other hand sometimes it's not electric and there's the pressure of one person's mistake requiring a whole cue to be re-recorded we're expected either render a flawless performance every time or simply not play that note so we're programmed that way so so it's fun it's exciting it's stimulating people come from all over the world to get in on it uh, and it never lost its uh, appeal to me after 25 years of doing it. For more stories behind the score, read Score, the interviews, based on the international hit film Score, a film music documentary featuring raw insight from Hans Zimmer, James Cameron, Quincy Jones, Randy Newman, Trent Reznor, and many more. Score, the interviews, available now at score-movie.com. 
Welcome back to Score the Podcast. We're here with Christoph Beck, Emmy Award-winning composer. And uh, a, a big announcement came out just recently about the CSAC Scores Beck Diversity Project. And Matt, you mentioned... You guys had a you and, and Chris spent some time in yeah. Calgary at the film festival. So it's interesting how some of these things go full circle, and it, you know this is something that's important, obviously. And there's been a, a discrepancy because you know there there is a, a lack of diversity. It's something that's kind of unspoken in the industry sometimes. But uh, part of what you're doing, Chris, this one million dollar five year mentorship program to support underrepresented composers, and um, this is something that came up at a lot of the film festivals that we went to. They said. We like we like score film music documentary. The one question that I have though is how come there aren't more women? How come there aren't more people of color? And there there are some you know great examples of both of those, but not as many as you might expect. It's limited in yeah. in a musical field. Um, so obviously you know it's something that that uh, that you have have been interested in and and you are know, now championing. Are That's now right. championing. But I remember you rescued us because it's always you know a, a question that we would get uh, and in at the calgary film festival which you attended uh with me we got that question you said well let me answer that this is something that is an issue and it's something that is uh that you know you see an imbalance more so in than in a lot of other fields that are even in hollywood where this has been something that's come up time and again over the last several years uh especially um but tell me a little bit about what what led you to really sure. trying to you know champion this cause? Uh, well, you guys are very polite because you're using such uh, mild words to describe what is an disaster of of lack of. It's not just a lack of diversity; um, it's a complete and total lack of diversity. And and as you mentioned, you know, it's um, it all these other fields that have been getting so much attention in the last few years. I mean, the, the composer field is is by far worse. Um, it's a little game I like to play, you know, make a list in your head of the top 100 media composers, film, TV, commercials, video games, documentaries, whatever. How many people of color are on that list? How many women are on that list? And I think the number total is fewer than five. You could argue about who might make, you know, on the bubble, the top 100. Like um, one of our foremost African-American composers, great composer, Terrence Blanchard. You know, does he make the top 100 list? Probably. Um but, um, you know, are there any others? And it's, it's really, really appalling. Um, and I always was a little bit too into my own career, a little bit too into my own, my own thing to really do anything about it. But there was a voice in the back of my head that spoke up every once in a while saying, you know, you're, you're the beneficiary of this situation. And that's awesome for me. But, you know, this industry is from purely a creative perspective, suffering from, right. a, from a lack of different voices. And so, okay, whenever, one day when I have time and money, I'll do something about it. And, you know, a few years later, one day when I have time and money, I'll do something about it. A few years later, one day, and then a few years later, I had time and money. And that was a couple of years ago when I took six months off uh, just to take a break from film scoring, recharge my batteries a little. And I thought, you know, that's one of the things I'm going to I'm going to actually work on during my time off. And then I had a lot of lunches with a lot of different people <laughs> picking their brain. Like, right. how, how do we solve what this problem? We it's, yeah. it's really tough. Um, and, you know, 
part of the problem is the pool of composers um, is so small. Right. You know, I would ask uh, a head of music at a studio, why don't you hire more composers who are women or people of color? And they would say, because there aren't any. And of course that isn't true. But from their perspective, I understand why they say that, because, you know, their job isn't to go out and find these undiscovered talents. You know, their job is to find people that have enough experience to that make get sure the that job done. Yeah. That their bosses Especially will the feel big comfortable. Projects, you would think. Exactly. Yeah. You exactly. don't want to take that risk. It's a big risk. Bringing a rookie in and... Exactly. Yeah. So it's a chicken and egg problem, of course. Classic. Um, so uh, for that side of things, I've been teaching high school kids. Um, I've done two sessions so far. One a couple years ago at Centennial High School in Compton and just finished a couple of uh, classes at um, Fauché Academy, which is by USC. And just trying to expose the amazing, wonderful often very creatively rewarding industry we all work in and show them that it's available to them because otherwise it might not even occur to them that this industry exists at all. Sure. Well, that's the amazing thing about this industry too is you, you it's based on all of these extremely very different musical sounds and the you know different perspectives different composers have and the different, different creative stories. things that they bring to a film and you they think are about like a movie like black panther which is a marvel movie um but it has a completely unique sound and an amazing score um you know made by a team of a, a caucasian composer an african-american composer but yep. i think you really feel the 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 um the uniqueness yeah. of that. And it's not just totally. a film composer faking African music, you know? It really felt a little bit different. This fund, which is really a, a post-production fund that will um, subsidize music budgets on low-budget movies. Um, the idea is if a director has already hired uh, a woman or a person of color as their composer and the budget is really small and let's say there's no money for an orchestra then we can come in and say hey here's twenty thirty thousand dollars it gets you two days in oh, that's awesome and that now you can have an orchestral score for maybe not the whole score but part of it the important parts. so it's like a grant essentially exactly and i would be personally involved that's where the mentorship comes in not to look over their shoulder and say no no make it be flat not to be sharp yep. or whatever um but to really just to make sure that i, I want to make sure the money goes into the score and that it is something that you can feel and hear in the finished product. So, I mean, get, getting a live orchestra is a perfect example of that. Um, and everybody wins. You know, the, the score has a much better production value. The filmmakers ha get a real orchestra to play the score. And it might not be that. It might be um, a mixing engineer for four days because a lot of composers so are not... any benefit. It, it just yes. basically, if you hire a woman or a person of color to score your film, there is a program from CSEC, mm -hmm. that's a grant program, and I think that directors should know about this, mm -hmm. and producers should know about this, yeah. and indie filmmakers, because that is a wonderful door into the process. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's switch gears, because we want to get to Ant-Man sure. before we get into our next break. Um, when we when we talked to you for score a film music documentary in this very room, uh, you told us that you were interested in doing a superhero film. Did I? And uh, <laughs> you did, and you that did. was. And you mentioned now. Look, you we, there's one that you did a while ago that had a really interesting score that you had 
recorded with an orchestra and yep. had kind of chopped up. Alice and Fox, yeah. Had made it really Thank you, Robert, for up. financing my crazy experimentation here. <laughs> yeah. Which film are we talking Electra. about? It was, oh, it was Electra. Electra. Um, Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> um, Electra also was notable just for all of you soundtrack fans, and we may get to the soundtrack. Oh, the soundtrack was great, yeah. And we also, I was played a demo by a band called Evanescence. Oh, yeah. And uh, thought, this kind of fits in some oh, ways. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. And we put the demo in called Bring Me to Life, and a whole musical package escalated. But that's right. Now, Electra, Marvel so was not Garner. was not the thing that Marvel is now. Right. Thing, things uh, have Back changed. when you did that film. That's right. Um, with Ant-Man, when you came onto the project, did you have ideas ready to go? Were you itching to, to jump back into the superhero world, or did you start from scratch? I had some really bad ideas ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember Peyton and I got very excited about, um, you know, we get seduced by, I'm gesturing towards this giant modular synth here to my left, we get seduced by how awesome it is, and sometimes lose sight of what's best for the picture. Mm. And um, I created with him, uh, uh, very closely working with me, three or four pieces that were heavily electronic and what you might call glitchy. And it had all these, you know, from a strictly, um, thank you. I hear a little bit of uh, <laughs> what I'm not talking about playing, which I'm very glad. I think this is. Is the, this is the opening, I believe. This is it's not what It's the you main mean. theme, yeah. Um, it was a great electronic musical depiction of insects. It was skittery. It had um, a kind of... Uh, there was some custom software that I was working on that would take like one sound and using a kind of granular synthesis, turn it into 500 of the same, but slightly different timing and pitch. And um, it made it sound like a swarm of insects playing that wow. instrument together. Cool. We played it for Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel, and he said, sounds great, but I don't really like it that much when I hear music that makes me think my speakers are broken. <laughs> That's basically what he said. And it, you know, it kind of made us laugh. And it also kind of made us realize that we'd maybe gone a little off into a science experiment and <laughs> lost sight of what the actual movie was about, which was a heist movie. And um, it felt like it needed a little bit more of a grounded approach. And instead of crazy skittery electronic effects which really pull the ear um away from the story and into sort of like what is that i'm hearing it was it was strange um and of course i love it when things sound strange but in movie scoring sometimes you know you gotta you gotta pick your Balance moments when you're gonna do strange things. yeah sure. um so we sort of decided to try a different approach which was um, to really hook our fingers into the whole heist idea and get into <laughs> like the, music. The, the, the 60s and the 70s classic heist I was going to say, tropes. this has got almost a kind of jazzy John yeah, Barry. Exactly. Uh, sneaking up, yeah. almost Mancini. A little o yeah. Ocean's right Eleven. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so like bongos, alto flutes, which we're hearing now, um, vibes, things like that. Did you, we're in this era now where like every comic book is being made i had never even heard of ant-man and you know some of these comics that are like the guardians of the galaxy is one of the most popular movies and then there's some batman movies that are not doing well are you were you surprised by the success of this first film and and the interest of ant-man versus some of these other bigger comic books that maybe aren't making it as well uh no because uh marvel is really 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 good at making these movies yeah and after i saw it 
and I saw how funny it was and how breezy it was hmm. after the heaviness of the movie that had come just before it, which I think was the second part of the uh, first Avengers two-parter, um, which was really heavy and um, Ser- more serious. More serious. I don't even want to say it was like a downer because there were certainly moments of levity in it, but it was like big end-of-the-world stuff going on. And then for the next movie that Marvel comes out with is just a guy trying to see his daughter, you know, basically. Nice. Um, and, you know, and by the way, he's also like this goofy, pretty good thief, you know, and and so that really gave us an opportunity for the music to have the same kind of levity and the movie as a whole i think was a, a breath of fresh air for people after and after um was age of ultron i think maybe mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm getting yeah. that right so and now we're kind of setting up for the same thing you know we just had uh thanos uh yeah another do his big thing one. at the end of that movie and here we are you know with another ant-man that's going to also be a much smaller world a much smaller not a smaller story but a story that is more about personal relationships and less about saving the world we're going to take a, a break just out of curiosity because the excitement has been building it is <laughs> are we going to play <laughs> name that score we oh, are right after exciting. this hey matt schrader here director of score of film music documentary for the latest news from the film music world follow us on facebook just search score of film music documentary or let us know who you want to hear next on the show on twitter at score the podcast Welcome back to Score the Podcast. We're here in Santa Monica. It's a beautiful day. And we're here with Christoph Beck, Emmy Award winning composer. We were just talking about Ant-Man. Excited for that coming up uh, in just a few weeks. July 6th. Uh, more accurately, Ant-Man and the Ant- Wasp. Excuse me, Ant-Man. Don't, you can't diss the Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new theme maybe? It's, uh, There's a th- new theme for, um, for the Wasp. Wait, what? What? <laughs> we don't know. Well, guess we'll have to. Uh, the Wasp has a buy theme. Your tickets. Breaking July news. 6th. Do you have a breaking news? Yeah, okay, breaking th- news. there is a new theme for the Wasp. Yes, indeed. <laughs> breaking news. This just in. New, yeah. new, new theme. That for was the wasp. not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little plain. Chris. I don't know what that was. I don't really get. It's like one note. It Chris. sounded What's like it? stinging. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think my speakers were broken. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's time to play the game. It's sweeping social media, and the nation. Let's do it. Get ready to play Name That Score! Woo-hoo! The film music game where a perfect score means you, yes you, could be a winner. Now let's play Name That Score! This is a celebrity voice, is it not? Yeah. That's uh, why wow. Chris is getting into that. I, I don't know about John Powell now. Now I'm, now I'm uh, his his uh, sounds like five pounds of cheese. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think Chris liked that. Well, it was but pretty it sounds tasteful. like five pounds John, of intense <laughs> and amazing fun. John, there you go. John was talking about the theme, though. Chris was talking about the voice. Uh, you know, let's not split hairs. Let's not split <laughs> hairs here, Kenny. Matt Sajak over there. <laughs> so, um, it, for those who don't know how to play this, and and uh, and and Chris hasn't played this before, we play five famous film scores in reverse. Robert, Kenny, and Chris will all pick from three multiple choice answers. The last question is worth double. Double. And uh, if anybody gets all five of the questions right, we give away a prize on our Twitter account at Score the Podcast. All you have to do is uh, mention hashtag name that score. And today's theme is. Alien movies. 
Ooh. So we got five clips and then a tiebreaker, should we need it, uh, to Very recap. Exciting. <laughs> oh. Um, a I little foreshadowing? got my competitive juices flowing There here. might be a little. Let's see. Is that in? No. I, we, we don't have that in this one. That was in... Uh, that was in a couple weeks ago, but uh, not this one. So um, we got five questions and a tiebreaker. Should we need it? Uh, we will start with question one. Remember, this is in reverse. Uh, these Hang are... on, I need to warm up. Okay, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, first question, is this from Aliens, 1986, James Horner, Avatar, uh, 2009, James Horner, or Total Recall? Uh, which is set on Mars, eh, maybe not really that much of an alien movie, but uh, 1990, Jerry Goldsmith. Where's the button so I can buzz in? Chris has it. Hold on, Chris, because uh, Robert's going to try to read your mind first. I'm just going to steal your answer. I'm not going to read anything. <laughs> I know what it's not. Kenny knows what it's not. Uh, the options, again, Aliens, Avatar, and uh, Total Recall. Who wants to go first? Me. Voice is a dead giveaway. Avatar. Avatar. That may have been a little too confident. Robert may go with that. Robert, what do you think? Oh, Chris <laughs> He's feels, looking at Kenny now. If, if Chris feels <laughs> strongly about <laughs> Avatar, no, no, no. <laughs> which I actually recorded, and I'm going to have to say... That's right. Yeah. Yes. You a should know I'm going to go Avatar. Avatar. Everybody's going Avatar? Yep. You want to know what I thought it wasn't? Avatar. <laughs> oh, no. So you did. All right. Kenny goes first on the next round. <laughs> yeah, the voice is pretty distinctive. And there's a r rhythm kind of thing. Well, you didn't pick the main cue, so I was. I was that's one, I the one I had in mind. You're, yeah. you're getting more difficult with yeah. this. Well, that's the point. We had too many people sweeping the table, right, Robert? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, question two, uh, these are comedies uh, that involve aliens. Uh, is this Men in Black, 1997, Danny Elfman, Guardians of the Galaxy, 2014, Tyler Bates, or Galaxy Quest, 1999, David Newman? It's going to be harder. Kenny thinks he knows, and he gets to go first. Men in Black. Men in Black, says Kenny. I agree. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right, two for two. I don't know what what is it that stands out to me about that immediately. There's something. Kind of no, horns. I think I know the dissonance because uh, Galaxy is that the Quest line. Galaxy Quest is a pretty breezy melodic score. Yep. What was the middle one? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, that is also it's more pretty like thematic, rich. Yeah, Marvel. Yep. Yeah, and that was it, just kind of I think of it's noisy. that bass line that catches me, though, that... Mm -hmm. There's something very bouncy about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, we're two for two, but these are going to get a little bit tougher. Okay. We've, uh, we've stacked the uh, questions here. So question three, is this Close Encounters, 1977, John Williams, Contact, 1997, 20 years later, One of my Alan favorite scorers of all time. Or, oh, all right, Pressure's On, or Arrival, 2017, Johan Johansson, and this is these are all exactly 20 years apart. Contact. Contact, says Chris Beck. Oh, I'm going to go... Oh, it could 
Yes, close Kenny. Encounters. I'm going close encounters. close encounters. Do we need to hear it again? It has a yeah, little. One more time. It has that that horn that that John Williams trumpet. And also, thing and also those three on. octaves of strings. Let's hear that again. Pretty good tune backwards. Um, man, I'm going close encounters. Kenny's going, but close you're scaring me calling you're out your favorite score. Answer, I'm Kenny? sandbagging, which is what you do in Vegas when you watch other people bet. And then <laughs> he, he warned me you would do this while you were in the bathroom. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? It's, it's when I think of close encounters, I think of all the really strange sounds that mm-hmm. he made. And so that's why I immediately thought of contact, which is a very thematic. I'm going to just go with my gut contact, contact. Tiebreaker. All right. We got different. Close. And close. Jeez, I'm, go, I'm going close. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm going close encounters because this time I'm going to steal Kenny's. All answer. right. How, we, there is a winner. How many winners are there? Oh. 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 <laughs> Chris. Unfortunately, oh, that one didn't that work. That hurts. Oh. It's the actual classic freaking tune also. <laughs> yeah, that didn't sound like the... You know what it was? Back when we played it backwards, I cut off the first note oh, you're so that you wouldn't have. Otherwise, you know, you'd hear... Evil. <laughs> just all to right. embarrass So now, Chris, d- don't despair, Chris. I know this is there's a lot of uh, uh, pressure, obviously, and... and no, uh, I understand my situation here. There I is a two-point tiebreaker uh, yeah, coming okay. up here, so... Uh, uh, we got two more questions before then, right? So yep. all I have to and do a, is make sure they tie-breaker. fuck up at least one time each. <laughs> right. So remember, right. though, they're looking at you. <laughs> so uh, you can pull a John Powell here, give the wrong answer, maybe, and then they'll and go then, with oh, that. Oh, did he do that? That's like highly strategic 3D chess going on there. Wow. The old switcheroo. Yeah. All right, question four. Uh, Alien Invasion movies, War of the Worlds, uh, 2005, John Williams. Independence Day, 1996, David Arnold. Or Mars Attacks, 1996, Danny Elfman. Mm. All right, people are looking around the room. Oh, dude, you're what, what killing me. choices? Yeah, that was... War, War of the Worlds, John Williams. Yeah, remember the microphone. <laughs> I'm yelling. I've fallen <laughs> down. I, I can't get up. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> War of the Worlds, uh, 2005, John Williams, Independence Day, 1996, David Arnold, Mars Attacks, exclamation point, 1996, Danny Elfman. I've got my best poker face on, and since I like to think of myself as not a dummy, I'm going to let the other guys go first. Oh. oh. Chris is becoming uh, I'm going to go Independence Day. Kenny says Independence Day. By, I, by David Arnold. Should we hear it again? I'm going Independence Day as well for the simple reason that, first, geographically, we're very close to where that score was written, sitting here. Um, and I <laughs> well, think that's that not part of the quiz. It, that in itself <laughs> lends itself to... Closest to okay, the Okay, so that puts me in a very interesting <laughs> position here, because if uh, I simply agree with them, which I think I do, you got I have no chance of, of tying you a, do, a tiebreaker. Our fifth question's worth double. So you got to go gotta, out on a limb, mm, get it right, and you re-entered the race. It's like, do you intentionally foul at the end of a basketball game? You know what I'm saying? Should we listen one more well, time? Just not, in case we're, we're not all at the wrong, end yet. maybe. What, what was your other instinct? Um, what were the other two choices again? Not Mars Attacks. War of the Worlds, Independence no, Day, Mars Attacks. Yeah. Sadly, it's Independence Day. Yeah. Oh, he, well, that's better than getting it wrong. You're right. You can do that strategy again on the next I'll, question. I'll, let's though. see if they get harder. 
All right, so we're coming down to our... Uh, Even backwards, there's no mistaking that patriotic feeling. Yeah, with the, the drums that are in there. And... So question five, it, uh, it comes down to this. Uh, Two-point question. I'm really sad. <laughs> well, we'll I see. I don't know that movie. <laughs> uh, question number five, worth two points. Is this from 2001, A Space Odyssey, which is maybe from 1896, Richard Strauss? Uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, 1979, Jerry Goldsmith, or Chris, is this Edge of Tomorrow? Oh, I heard it. Kenny thinks he knows. I'm not going to go first. <laughs> I what think was you the should go first, Kenny. I don't even remember what your options were, but I heard the song. It's Star Trek. 2001, Star Trek. Uh, the Motion Picture, 1979, oh, or Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Kenny? Yeah. That's Star Trek. He's right. Kenny's saying Star Trek. I'm Chris going Star with, Trek. I'm going with Kenny's answer uh, and Chris's answer. You're not going to make it fun, huh? I c- couldn't possibly. Yeah. They look so certain, and I'm so clueless. Yeah, actually, I think it's you that's not making it fun, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone want to change their answer? I don't. Kenny's very confident. <laughs> this usually shakes I did, him. I actually wasn't paying attention to your options, and I heard the theme. <laughs> Right. That's this a is getting good even sign. better. Everybody gets that one. <laughs> I think just like Fuck. the uh, the previous one, we I, I cut off the first note, the first couple notes reversed. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work this time. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a tiebreaker. Our winners are, are I guess, Kenny and Robert. I'll be one. over here sulking behind my modular synth. I, I think we should that make this tiebreaker. The, the tiebreaker is worth triple, though. That's what I said That's last right. time. <laughs> could bring us well, back. We, there's only one point, one point separating, so tiebreaker can be worth two. What this is? could still be anybody's But game. I'm not tied. You're not, but uh, you're only tied one behind. One it's point. not a close breaker. It's I a tiebreaker. I say we go with the two, I like how the rules point. change when I'm winning, All right, two, but not when I'm I, I accept your rule change. I'm in. <laughs> I accept it, too. All right, well, democratically now, we have to... Sorry, this is the way it works, Kenny. Question number six. Uh, is this... These are... are, are uh, the theme, again, is alien movies. Now, these are neighborhood invasion movies. So our options here are Signs, 2002, James Newton Howard, Super 8... 2011, Michael Giacchino, mm. Attack the Block, 2011, Basement Jacks and Stephen mm. Price. Digging deep here. Ooh. Choices one more time? Choices here are Signs, 2002, James Newton Howard, Super 8, 2011, Michael Giacchino, Attack the Block, 2011, Basement Jacks, and Stephen Price. Golf rules, last well, place Ken, goes first. Kenny and Robert have to go first. <laughs> oh, we have to go first now? Yeah. You're the ones that are tied. I was trying to... Hmm. Flog rules. I'm going to go signs. Kenny's going signs. Robert? The J-N-H. Oh, God. I really want to go the one I thought I'd never do, which is Stephen Price and Basement Jacks. And I'm going to do it because I'm... Attack the block? Okay. This is a great situation for me. I'll just pick the one that they didn't pick. (laughs) (laughs) This is my only chance of winning. So that's what I'm doing. All right. Michael Giacchino. We have... uh, So our tiebreaker did what it was intended to do because (laughs) we do have a winner. Well, obviously, Matt. (laughs) The winner is... (laughs) Kenny Holmes. 
Woohoo, Kenny! <laughs> this is from Signs. Great score. It is a really good. Yeah. Didn't, didn't we discuss this cue with? Yep, James. When we interviewed him, we did. Yeah, we brought that up. Uh, Isn't that one of like the central motifs of like the entire score? It that is. That was my favorite yeah, it's great. cue. It's, great. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> it's very uh, Goldsmithian in its economy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again, our our big winner. Thank you Kenny very much. Holmes. Congratulations. Sad Thank congratulations. You. Thank you very much. And I'd like to. Do you have a sound effect of like a thousand people crying? Because that's yes. how I feel uh, right now. Let's see. You know what we need we is don't. that Price is Right loser horn. But Price was not right in this case. It was not that there was choice. No price. Exactly. I don't think we have Stephen any. Price. We, we need to get a drop for that. Well, we are giving away a prize now. Uh, make sure to follow us at Score the Podcast and use hashtag Name That Score. We have an autographed Frozen soundtrack. Yeah. Who autographed it? Christoph Beck. Oh, the one and cool. only Christoph Beck. Cool. How generous. I had one question I wanted to ask you. We interviewed Michael Dana last week. He grew up in Toronto, and he had an interesting perspective on how uh, Canadians might differ musically in their oh, their approach than Americans. Have you thought about this before? Have you identified? One of the big things he said was he sensed when he came from Canada um, that, uh, that a lot of Americans have a have a rebellious streak <laughs> they have a little bit more of a of a intensity and a fire um whereas a lot of canadians at least speaking about himself said that he came from a background where there were a lot of different things to kind of pick and choose from and he maybe didn't double down on things quite as much musically but do you find that at all it- i've never thought about it before but that makes perfect sense because it speaks to um where we Canadians are as a culture vis-a-vis Americans. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is look at our propensity to end sentences with A, <laughs> because there's a reason for that, right? I mean, here, here we are. We're a huge country by land size, but tiny by population and totally dominated by America culturally. In fact, to the point where, and uh, I'm sure Michael early in his career might have been the beneficiary of this policy as well, the government... Um, basically enacted uh, like incentives for people who were making all kinds of, of media, music, TV shows, films, to hire Canadian people. Mm-hmm. It was known as CanCon, which is Canadian content. And in the early mid-90s, that was the syndicated television boom. There were all these TV shows being made in Canada, and they needed to hire Canadian composers. And there was, by the way, an incorrect perception that the better composers were in L.A. and not in Canada. So they would come to L.A., say, we need a composer for our show. And by the way, he or she has to be Canadian. And boom, 95% of my competition gone. And it was a fantastic way to start (laughs) my career because I got some gigs that way, (laughs) honestly. Um, So... You know, the reason why we say A is because it can turn any statement into a question, and we're very insecure. We want to make sure you Americans like us. So, you know, if I say something that's a definitive statement, 
and I get suddenly worried that I'm going to piss you off because maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, I can like say I can put this qualifier on it. Like, yeah, it's pretty I, I, a pretty nice day today, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just in case I'm wrong and it's not a nice day, like, I, well, hey, whatever you say is cool. You know, America. I've never you know? heard that <laughs> portrayal that. of why it's said. <laughs> it's totally true, and that totally goes with what uh, what Michael said, which is. Um, the rebellious streak, the uh, the whole idea of you know uh, Americans as puff chested, you know yeah. win lose, you know no ties, you know that sort of thing. It's it's like it's boldness. It's you know we Americans have the confidence to be able to make these bold choices and not question ourselves. Whereas in Canada. You know, it's scary to make a bold choice because you might piss off the Americans. <laughs> eh? Well, we think it's hot today. It's a hot day. And uh, if well, you disagree, you're wrong. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. And I know that if my car breaks down in Canada, I know who to call. A-A-A. Eh? Ouch. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good time to wrap the show up. Um, again, we want to remind our listeners that we had a winning week. I did, at least. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got... See, you don't get this in Canada. You got Paparazzi are waiting I won, outside eh? Chris's. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I'll get back to you on that. Uh, yeah, um, so make sure to go to our social media, uh, Twitter, at ScoreThePodcast, and make sure to use the hashtag NameThatScore, and you, yes, you, could win that fabulous prize, the Frozen soundtrack autographed by Christoph Beck. And also, please go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Rate and review if you like what you're hearing. It's helping us grow. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this Matt, week. Thank you so much for that Canada question, by the way. Christoph that was awesome. Beck. <laughs> Stay tuned for next week's guest and next week's episode of Podcast The Score. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the show called again? Score the podcast. Huh. See, you don't realize that what I'm doing is saying it backwards, kind of setting up oh, next that. week's game. Score that name. Uh. <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>